Turkey is one of the world's most fascinating countries. It uh, straddles east and west geographically as well as culturally, as anyone who's been to Istanbul can can attest. Kemal Ataturk's push to modernise Turkey to become more like the West defined the country's direction for much of last century. However, it may have left the country with a divided soul. And into that stepped current President Recep Tayyip Erdogan, who's radically transformed those ambitions of his predecessors for this once imperial powerhouse. It was once a standout Muslim democracy... The country, though, is now defined by one-man rule and a militaristic foreign policy with friends like Russia's Vladimir Putin, though he does might be stepping away from Putin just a little bit. The balancing acts we speak of in various countries are more or less acute in the new Turkey, all of which is explored by Dmitar Beshev from the Oxford School of Global and Area Studies. He joined me earlier from Bulgaria, where he lives, to discuss his latest work, Turkey under Erdogan, how a country turned from democracy and the West. And I welcomed him. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That's my phrase, divided soul, uh, not yours. (laughs) Do you think it's fair? Yes, there are many divisions, and it's not just the usual seculars versus uh, pious Turks and uh, ethnic divisions. There are divisions to do with region, and increasingly there is a division to do with the socioeconomic situation in the country. One reason that Erdogan uh, has been popular all those years is that he delivered growth and he improved uh, life conditions for millions, literally, of citizens. But now uh, Turkey's economic fortunes have turned around and the hardship, which of course affects uh, the the entire world economy. I'm sure Australia is Mm. also... Um, being affected, but it's really uh, acutely felt in Turkey over the past few years. This phrase, uh, competitive authoritarianism, <laughs> I don't actually know that I've heard that before. That's what you think that that is a fair description of uh, what Erdogan has introduced, do you? Yes, I stand accused of using a bit of uh, professional jargon because it's surely familiar to political scientists. Uh, but it's probably not as, as um, familiar to the, the general audience. But yeah, I mean, it's a system which, which combines authoritarian elements, uh, say um, the, the strong leader or the, uh, the party which controls uh, the media or the commanding heights of the economy uh, with uh, relatively free elections. Not fair, but certainly free. Uh, and where actually the opposition can still fight back and conquer some ground. And this is not uh, so atypical. A number of countries across the world have been stuck in this grey zone between democracy and authoritarianism. Um, but not Russia, the, in a sense. Uh, but not, uh, not the mm-hmm. Russians and the mm-hmm. Chinas of this world, unfortunately. But yeah, I mean, Erdogan is... His legitimacy rests on winning elections and having the popular mandate. I see what he you're saying. He uh, himself as... And also, sorry to interrupt you, but there's also the, for, for him, for Turkey and, for, you know, for other places too, it's the the prestige of having been an empire and, and having been so dominant for several, you know, for several hundred years um, and then losing it. That's all playing playing a role, I think you suggest. Oh, yes, of course. There's a bit of a, a departure from the usual thinking in, in Turkey because the Republic was established in the 1920s on the ashes of the Ottoman Empire and rested on the, the, this idea that uh, Turkey needed a clean break to build a new society, uh, a new state structure. 
Whereas Erdogan and his likes, and that's not not it doesn't start with him, of course, have tried to recover this idea of empire as an asset. First of all, domestically, because the Ottoman Empire represented um, the tradition where Islam plays a central role. But also the empire um, accommodated religious minorities, uh, unlike the Republic, which was very harsh, the Greeks, the Armenians, the, the Jews. Mm. Uh, and externally, the empire connects to this idea of, of Turkey being the leader in its region uh, by virtue of its historical, geographic, societal connections to all the countries uh, around it. Syria was a particularly interesting story there, and I'm, I'm sure mm. uh, your readers will find lots of interesting material about how Turkey uh, intervened there and what, what happened uh, in this crucial decade after yes. the Arab uprising. Well, it's just that, you know, it's make Turkey great again. Sort of, that's what it sounds like in some ways. And you, you do actually hold out, as you've alluded to there, um, quite some guarded optimism about the full return to democracy. Therefore, I'm intrigued that you spent all this time writing a book saying how a country turned from democracy in the West. So, because you do think there's been a terrific drift, don't you, away from the West? Well, Turkey is this ambiguous case where actually um, it always found it hard to build um, a proper democracy with the checks, checks and balances and the rule of law. It's never been the case even before Erdogan. But equally, um, I don't think it's possible in Turkey to build a, a bona fide uh, authoritarian system, as we say, uh, see in China or, or, or Russia, because precisely... Um, the vitality and the democratic habits that have taken root with, with the populace. But also, and it connects to the second part, um, Turkish, uh, Turkish uh, embeddedness in the West, if you look at the Turkish economy uh, and the sort of connections at the level of society, you still see how crucial the West uh, is, and especially the European Union despite um, the big disenchantment and the, the train crash that this ambition to join the EU suffered. And the, the figures tell a different story that Turkey is really well connected to this marketplace. And it depends on its prosperity, on um, being part of the world economy, the European economy as well. Right. And that's why I don't think a full authoritarian fortress Turkey um, type of scenario is possible, especially once Erdogan leaves the scene for whatever reason. But I think you do say that the idea that the common that the EU um, could uh, seriously intervene and um, broker democracy in Turkey, which once might have been the dream, forget that, you say. That, that's over. So it, it, this, a lot of this is going to have to happen within Turkey. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, we are long past this age where the EU could... Uh, intervene. I mean, it's having trouble intervening in some of the member states, people, <laughs> Hungary, let alone uh, a big country on its uh, on its uh, periphery is Turkey, which has lots of issues of its own. But it, the issue of democracy versus authoritarianism will be settled by Turks themselves, and by Turks I mean Turkish citizens, because it's an internally diverse country in terms of ethnicity. Um, um, it has to be decided by elections. Hmm. Um, you do, uh, I think he's been described as the 
inventor of 21st century populism, that in a way he started at first um, ahead of uh, uh, Orban in Hungary, you know, um, possibly Putin learned from him. Uh, I wonder if you could develop that idea, please. How, how did... How did he make it? How why is he? Why was he so successful at it? Such that his party in Turkey is almost like a personality cult. You say now for him. Well, he touched the raw nerve there because the whole experience in the twentieth century of building a new republic, created inequalities and marginalised swathes of the Turkish society. So um, Erdogan could go to his constituents and say. Um, the system has victimized you. You haven't had your fair share um, of um, of the pie uh, in Turkey. Whereas I will deliver the growth and the prosperity, and your kids will have a better life than you have in the big cities. Uh, and this message has resonated, and there was an element of truth to it because the AKP did receive, uh, did de- deliver uh, a lot of um, benefits to the average Turk. Uh, across the boards. Now, this is over. Um, economic populism doesn't work uh, anymore. I realise, Dimitar, yeah. you don't live in Turkey. You are not Turkish, but you have a great deal to do with Turkish people. You live in Bulgaria and in the UK, but you're very conscious of the fear um, that a lot of people live under for daring to disagree with Erdogan and his plans, the very real threat of jail terms or denunciation as terrorists. Now, is this still underway? Oh, yes. I mean, the trial of Osman Kavala and his associates, including a colleague of mine, uh, Hakan Altanay, who once contributed an essay to a collection I edited. Um, that's it's really serious business. And these are people, liberal intellectuals, who were very supportive of Erdogan and the AKP in the early days when he was delivering uh, economic and political reforms uh, contributing to democratization. Now they've become the, the enemy. But it's not only them, uh, not only the privileged urban well-to-do people. I mean, a lot of Kurdish activists, including the leader of the pro-Kurdish HDP, Sertin Demirtas, uh, are in jail. And everyone... It's under fear of repression. So it's really remarkable, given the, the pressure they face, how resilient and mm. and this, uh, resolved uh, are Turkish people uh, to fight for their rights and to uh, fight for better, better, better country, despite everything against all odds. You have to give credit to, to them. Uh, in fact, there are big elections next year, aren't there? How do you suspect they'll go? I'm really fearful about this election because Erdogan is losing steam uh, and the opposition has learned to play the game, which might result in a a very closely contested election. Uh, And even there's a scenario of of Erdogan losing by a small margin, which might lead to uh, vote-rigging post-election manipulation and tensions in Turkey. So if I'm hopeful about the longer term, I'm much more sceptical about the short term. There will be turbulence next year for sure. What's long term mean? Well, anything beyond a decade. Uh, it's a personalistic system. So Erdogan is pivotal to this, this regime is all in his face. But there is no party structure anymore. AKP used to be a party. There is no successor as a result. Uh, and once Erdogan retires or steps down, um, Turkey will probably undergo... Uh, 
a process as Spain after Franco. Of course, it's a rich comparison. Mm. These are different countries. But remember, when Franco left, his successors negotiated a return to democracy in Spain with the opposition. And I'm, I suspect something similar might happen. Um, what we have also witnessed in some Latin American countries, this pendulum move from authoritarianism and democracy and back. Um, Turkey will probably um, follow the same trajectory. So restoration of the democratic system is in the cards. We just don't know when. Even though, as you say, there's quite a sort of winner-take-all undercurrent in Turkish politics and a history of violence, uh, you know, <laughs> so there's quite a lot against it. And we don't know whether when Erdogan will go, do we? We don't know. And he has an incentive to cling on to power no, no matter what. Secondly, the constitution he passed, the presidential regime makes things even worse this precisely because of the winner takes all. Turkey is much better suited to a parliamentary regime. So that will be one of the battlegrounds, how you come back to the, the old setup where actually parties could share power and, and coexist. Um, so long as there's a presidential constitution, there will always be a temptation for ambitious politicians to become the next Erdogan and to take all, all the gains from being in power. So his legacy will be uh, will be difficult for the country. I, I agree. Now, before I let you go, I just must ask you quickly about Erdogan's foreign policy, which seems to me to be all over the place. But he is, I think, talking very regularly, is he not, to Putin and fancies himself, yeah. I think, as a bit of a sort of honest broker in all of this in terms of what comes next. What do you think? No, absolutely. I mean, Erdogan was in Kiev yesterday with, um, oh, with Yeresh, the UN Secretary General, and he was instrumental uh, in this deal on uh, grain exports from, from Odessa, Ukrainian ports. And now it seems to me that Turkey is acting as a goal between Zelensky and, and Putin. And I'm not surprised because Turkey has a relationship to both Ukraine and, and Russia, and it tries to maximize its position. Um, and it's a complex balancing act. Um, sometimes... It delivers, sometimes it doesn't. Do you think, uh, do you think it will? It, it, do you think it might? Well, it depends on what you expect. Uh, if you expect that Turkey will resolve the war in Ukraine, uh, that's too much to, to ask from Erdogan. But if you if it's about preserving hardcore um, national interests, in other words, not be affected by the war, not have spillover, and maybe get some benefits, it will deliver. You know, right now, lots of uh, Russians are finding refuge in, in Turkey. Are um, they? Are I they? mean, the whole spec- yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if you look at uh, the assets, uh, anybody from uh, oligarchs all the way to middle class opponents of Putin who don't want to be living in Moscow uh, in these days where repression is how they find Turkey a better place to live and to do uh, their work from there. At the same time, it's providing military support to Ukraine and somehow it pulls it off by being pro-Ukraine but not against Russia, as it were. <laughs> very interesting indeed. Okay, um, Dr. Demetar Vbeshev, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Thanks so much. And Dimitar is from the Oxford School of Global and Area Studies. His new book is Turkey Under Erdogan, How a Country Turned from Democracy and the West. It's a Yale University Press publication. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines. 
on the ABC Listen app.